0: For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com.
1: The Houndsman XP Podcast Network is taking you on the journey. Your host, Master Trainer Heath Hyatt, will combine his decades of experience as a houndsman and as a professional trainer that will light the path forward and make our packs lighter on this lifelong journey to become better hunters and houndsmen. There are no shortcuts, so lace up those boots and grab a dog leash. The journey begins now.
2: Hey guys, the journey on Houndsman XP is teamed up with Go Wild. Go Wild is a social media platform that was made for hunters by hunters. If you guys and gals have listened to any of the other podcasts that I've been on, you know what a huge outdoor enthusiast I am. I love being in the woods with my hounds. There's nothing more exciting than hearing the thunder of a spring gobbler. I love fishing for trout in the brooks and the streams, and I love being on the river chasing that ever-elusive fish of a thousand casts, the muskie. Go Wild is the place that I can post my trophies, hunts, and memories without being censored. But Go Wild is so much more than that. It's a place to share your stories, sharpen your skills, hone your tactics, get gear reviews, and shop for anything outdoors. When you make a purchase from the Go Wild store, everything is free shipping. Anything that you purchase anywhere in the country, no matter how big, free shipping. So go down to the show notes, click on the Go Wild link at the bottom, and get signed up today. And let's go wild. If y'all purchase anything from Go Wild, make sure that you're using the Houndsman XP promo code. And that code is going to be HXP10. So when you go in there and you download your cart, you come up to the bottom and it says, promo code, add Houndsman XP to it. On this episode, guys, we have been doing this for one full year. So we're going to bring this back around to a full circle. And what that means is my very first guest was a childhood friend, a longtime friend, pretty much still my neighbor. So, I'm bringing him back, and we are going to talk about bird dogs, and we're going to go back down memory lane, and we're going to run you guys through the summer of 1997 in Pomeroy, Ohio, at Plot Days, because Chad actually went with me and experienced that with me, and I know I get a lot of feedback from you coon hunters about we need to do more of this, and we need to do more for that. So we're going to talk about coon hunting a little bit, and I'm going to tell you guys how inexperienced I was and how much a dog actually won the hunt, and I didn't. So, Chad, glad to have you back. Thanks, <laughs> And what's going on good in your world? What's 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 up with the bird dogs? Well, in,
3: in my neck of the woods down over the hill, there's not much good going on. Um, I've I got a really nice female pointer that won... A fair amount with and uh, I tried to I bred her back the spring and early spring and was all excited for a bunch of pups and ended up with one pup
2: <laughs> I think I've seen that so,
3: yeah that was uh, that's part of life and that's part of breeding dogs you win some you lose some but the pup that I do have she's time will tell but she's fast
2: and fancy as she can be how old is she now uh should be seven weeks on Saturday. Seven weeks. So you're about, you're about the same age as these out here. <clears throat> well, if you need pups, and I make fun about it, so Chad or Matthew, his son, they take care of my dogs for me 95% of the time when I'm gone on vacation or I'm out of town. And so we had a foo So when I was in Vegas at the shot show, Matthew was feeding for me. And when I come home, I noticed one of my dogs, I, I had my dogs doubled up so I'm going to tell you about a gaff that I had had my dogs doubled up for the winter I do that with, with most of my dogs and when I got home I noticed one of the male dogs sniffing on a female that I had in pen together so I moved her immediately took her out and lo and behold she was out for three weeks she never did swell up she didn't bleed, she didn't drip there was no sign other than the male dog sniffing on her that's it so no worries, whatever Come home one day from work, was feeding, and I'm like, I think she's pregnant. (laughs) And I watched her for the next couple of days, and sure enough, she's pregnant. So 64 days, I went back and counted. From the middle of the week when we were gone to Vegas, I have a litter of puppies that I did not want. (laughs) So um, the breeding on it is... uh, sketchy at best maybe yep maybe yeah we're gonna talk about that a little bit but anyway i told matthew i said you tell your dad that you're gonna bring a litter of puppies home this is your food pie. and he's like oh, i'm not taking him home dad will kill me and i said well i'm just gonna take him and drop him off and you can explain to your dad why you got why? a litter of puppies at your house uh, matthew didn't want any part of that so chad comes over today and he's looking at the pups and we're talking about you know what took place and everything and you know, we get to talking about the the book Snakefoot <clears throat> because he did he did a lot of line breeding and inbreeding, and you know people have mixed feelings and mixed emotions on that. And you no, know, you can read one article and it says absolutely not, don't do this, don't do that, and then you read another article that says, well, there's not proof for that. So um, anyway, they're a little too close, but you know, after going back and listening to the podcast with Bart Rogers, there's enough genetic diversity because there's nothing in the seven generation pedigree in these dogs that match. Even though they're close, there's nothing there that matches. And I will tell you, like I said, I'm not, uh, I was not happy about the situation, but so far I have been overwhelmingly surprised with the actions of these dogs, the smarts of these dogs. Um, the the genetic makeup, I'm getting... I mean, I can go outside right now and show you they've got really good tight feet on them. It tightened them up a lot. Even though their grandparents had good feet, um, their feet have tightened up. Um, good hanging ear, a little bit longer than normal, which I like. Um, and just their drive. You know, they're nine weeks old now and... Testing them out a little bit like I have, out of the seven puppies, there's not a there's not one that you say, nah, I don't have it. They all uh they all come together, they all have about the same amount of desire and their timing. You know, they all kind of give out about the same time. But for nine week old pups, you know, and I've been watching this since I was five and six weeks old. So, we're going to see what they got. Um, the cult, I mean, they're beautiful dogs. I mean, beautiful. Um, like I said, good good bone structure, good conformation, good tight feet on them. And we're going to see. I've got, I put some of them in some really good hands of people that's going to take care of them and hunt them. And I guess the jury will be out. But
3: Right. The, the, the conformation is a big thing. Um, you know, the, the mental stability, if it's there, that's that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. That's a real big deal to me is the confirmation in their mental makeup. You know, it's, if you show a dog or a young dog, if you show it a few things or or show it something a few times and it gets it versus the dog that you show a few times, you think it got it. And then next week you have to repeat and show it the same thing. Mm-hmm. Those dogs are not, I not I don't enjoy messing with those dogs and don't really want anything to do with them. And yeah.
2: Yeah. And just to throw back a little bit further, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to get an, another pup. Um, i give a shout out to Carl and Chris for hooking me up with Sassy. And um, just super, super smart dog. I And I, I've said this and I, I'm going to jinx myself because I've tried to keep it contained. I don't know that I've liked a pup as much as I like her in a long, long time. And I'm scared to death something's going to happen. And I've told several people, I said, something's going to happen to her because she is into everything. She's chasing down rabbits. She's chasing birds. Like, I mean, she's just super, super smart. Um, and the pups, I mean, they're the same way. Like, they're they're not chasing rabbits and stuff, but they're, I mean, they're smart. They're so intelligent. We. We've set up a fortress to keep them off the porch. <laughs> you know, we've built a gate, put it on the porch so they can't get it up, up and down the steps. Well, then they figured up to jump up on the steps, up onto the trash can, crawl through the, the, um, the fencing or not the fencing, but the, the, the rails, yep. and get on the porch. So we fixed that where they couldn't get through, through there. Well, then the next, I've got a cross tie land on the back side of the porch. Well, then they figured out to get up on the cross tie. And then they could pull herself up on the porch and go through the fencing. So we had to block that all. I mean, and then they learned that if they walk around the outside of the deck far enough, they could still get on the porch. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, man, you guys are like wizards. You can't, you can't outsmart them. That's um, a good thing. Yeah, I mean, super smart. They recover, and when I say that, like, you can spook them or or give them something that they're not sure about, and it doesn't take but a second, one or two of them's coming back around won't know what it is or curiosity. You right. know, they're not, you don't spook them so bad that they're just done. Right. Um, In which, next County. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I really like that. They've got really good mouths on them. I mean, already I can tell that they're going to have super mouths on them. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of positives that I was not, um, I was not happy about and it's turning into a positive. I see more and more already. Like I said, I can do my short drags, um, and it doesn't take but a second. But then again, guys, I'm using the method that I learned from Miguel and Louis um, as far as putting the odor. I've imprinted them on the odor at the food and then started laying the track to the food bowl so they have to track the odor. Um, and I've got them up to about, I don't know, 50, 60 yards. Not nothing overwhelming. Just um, And it's a straight line, and I'll put the food out of sight. And I mean, they slam it like it's it's time to up up it, and put maybe put a little age on it. So I did. I have implemented that. I think I've talked talked about that on a podcast that I was going to start doing it. But uh, it's I've seen really good results. And all I've got four left here. Uh, one of them, one of going to get picked up Saturday. <clears throat> so I have three left. But they're all like there's none of them that's not participating or doing it. So I'm I'm. Like I said, I'm pleasantly surprised, and hate to admit it, but I am. So
3: that's interesting. What scent are you imprinting them with? Bear. Okay. Bear
2: odor. And if you guys can find me some good, good bear scent, uh, you know, Grawls is out of business. I, I In fact, I, I emailed her, and, of course, when her husband died, that, you know, she don't produce the bear odor anymore. You know, I've tried the stuff from Night Light and Cabela's and, I, I'm just not 100% sold on it, um, but I'm taking it just like Miguel said. I'm putting it in a spray bottle, and I'm spraying the mist. I'm not, I'm not saturating the area. I'm not putting it down like that. Um, so that's how I've been imprinted it. And, again, I use the same method as he did. He uses a bell, and I'm using a whistle. I just whistle, and when I whistle, they know that there's food, and they translated that over to the, to the odor and we went from there. So, if you guys need to go back and listen to both of the podcasts that we did with Lewis and Miguel, and write down some notes because it was very interesting. And like I said, I started implementing it. These pups are nine weeks old, and like I said, I've already got them using their nose for fifty and sixty yards. Um, so, I I'm not a professional at it because I don't. I'm learning their their method, but it's it's showing me results that I'm highly pleased with. <clears throat> so, in the confirmation, I know Chad. When you was on here the last time, you know we, we talked about confirmation, and you know I'm a big proponent of that. I like I like good running gear. I like good feet. Um, I, I like that balance. Right, that, the, the
3: gait and the, the mm-hmm. whole nine yards. All of it ties in together.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just makes it easier on the dog to get right. through the country. So, yeah. So what else? You got your you got your female and yeah, I haven't really. I've got I don't know six
3: dogs, but six or seven dogs, but not a whole lot of field trial going on this spring. Hit a couple, and that was about the extent of it. Um, I guess well, last fall I was in Maine for the pretty pretty much the majority of October, mm-hmm. and birds were hit and miss up there. Um, it wasn't bad. It been it was better than Virginia, um, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's been better, and I don't. I'm was been watching the weather now up there because it's hatching time, and mm.
2: it's
3: uh, fifty degrees and rain all week long. So that's not good for this coming fall.
2: Mm. Yeah, I know that when Jason Carr was on, he talked about that too. Yep. So <coughs> that's where he's at, is up in Maine. Well, sure. <coughs> let's uh, so let's go back and. You know, we'll kind of do a real quick recap on your and our relationship that way. I mean, I know, like I said, people may have missed it or picked this podcast up since then. But, you know, Chad and I grew up together in a small town, went to school together, played sports together. We hunted together a lot and everything. I mean, turkey, deer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh I,
3: I was thinking about this the other day when I was on the mower. Don't say it. Don't say it. Do Statue that?
2: of limitations may not have run out yet. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no but we were on top of the mountain mother loading on which mountain uh East River East River yes the,
2: the lease we had
3: yes okay it was on the top we were on the top mother loading and uh only only charge I had was what was in the gun mm-hmm. and I shot that buck and uh, in that big flat up there and mm-hmm. hit him high and it didn't kill him but it broke his back so uh Tied a rope around his horns and then tied him to a tree and <laughs> had to come find you.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, was good, he wasn't going nowhere. It was a good deer. <laughs> oh, we lassoed you lassoed that thing. Yeah, oh, he wasn't yeah. going anywhere. No, <laughs>
3: <laughs> it was a good deer. It was one of the best deer I ever killed.
2: Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That that little swag right through there was a prime prime travel corridor and i wished i would have learned that earlier in life like i you know being a kid we was in high right. school like I, I didn't i didn't get it right uh, it was till I, after i graduated and we was about done with that lease and we let it go and then i was like man because <laughs> you remember the the little the, the little chinese dude that dad brought yes. from work yes and he missed that monster yes i remember that, what mon- was that guy's name? i can't remember he He's ended up good dude yeah he went uh he went back to New York, but so Dad had a. I know we're getting down a rabbit hole here, but Dad had a guy that worked with him, and uh, he, he was an to, engineer, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah he was mm-hmm. smart as a tack. He uh, he wanted to go deer hunting, so muzzle. And this is like you know things have evolved so much since then, but back then they had the old Thompson Center, the the side locks, and you put the cap on, and if they got wet, they just did not go all. I don't know how many deer I missed with that stinking rifle misfiring. So I, we had give him that rifle. I'd borrowed somebody's, and we'd taken him up to the same place you'd been, and we had been watching a nice 12-pointer, and I mean a nice 12-pointer. Well, I went. I thought I was going to be smart and go out the ridge, and the deer would come up in the next flat. And I put him in that swag, and, I mean, it was early in the morning. It was 8 o'clock in the morning, and I heard, pat. And then it went again, I heard, pat. And I'm like, what the world? So, I don't know. I waited about an hour and I eased out back out the mountain to that swag. And he's sitting there. And I mean, he's like, he's making a rocking chair sign on his head. Like, he's holding his hands up like a field goal. He's like, big deer, big deer, big deer. And um, I'm like, well, what happened? He goes, the gun didn't go off. So, anyway, we we, we hunted to lunchtime, went down to the house. I got some more caps put on the gun. Well, it was double loaded. If it would have went off, <laughs> it would have probably knocked him in, into West Virginia. Like, it would have probably knocked him out. But, yeah, That's he was so, so mm-hmm. like, I don't want to say the word disappoint. I mean, his enthusiasm and excitement, and at the same time, completely crushed. <laughs> like, because he missed that deer. was oh, funny. Yeah, so. Good stuff. But, yeah, Chad and I used to hunt together. Um, <clears throat> Chad was with me when I got into this dog venture. Um, <laughs> Yeah, years ago. And then, so we coon hunted together. Chad ended up with an old red bone. Is that the only coon dog you had? Well, I had
3: that black and tan, too, but that was that was only two.
2: Neither, Did that one, come neither. from AD, too?
3: No, I can't remember where that black and tan came from. The red bone came from AD. AD, yeah. Old
2: yeah. Joe Buck. Yep. I remember that. Yeah. I'll um, tell you how bad it was. It was bad. <laughs> It was so terrible. I used, that's back when the camcorders started coming out, and not the small ones. The ones you carried on your shoulder, the like a 1400 Panasonic, whatever it was. <laughs> so Chad and I got the big idea that we were going to start filming our coonhang Adventures, and we were actually up right where Dad lives now. We went up Burton Holler yeah, and went out the old road there towards Foltz's. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. and we were filming that. And I remember your dog started squalling up in the holler. And then I don't, I guess I had brandy. I don't remember. I don't even know what they run. Like I don't, we didn't treat nothing. And, um, you know, I've said it on this podcast before. I spent so many nights chasing stinking dogs that I can't believe that I actually still do this sport. That's what got me out of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of us are just more hard headed than the others. <clears throat> but <clears throat> so. Anyway, I ended up with Brandy, and I know we talked about that before. So, um, I literally, and I got to thinking about it before we, did, you know, we recorded this because I wanted to have my my timeline and my facts for somewhat straight. So, I had bought Brandy in June of ninety six. Um, I had bought the Bear Dogs in the end of ninety four. Um, is when I had them. And then I ended up with Frosty, and <clears throat> then I decided I went to a local coon club. Um, I'll give a shout-out to them. Ballard, Ballard, West Virginia was close to where we were at, so that's that was our local club. I started going down there and met some guys, and you know I was like, hey, I'm looking for a dog. And I ended up buying Brandy um, from Philip Hunt. And Brandy, for you plot guys listening, um, Brandy come from Kenny Rourke. Up in Taswell and he she was out of his breeding and I ended up buying Brandy and two pups out of her. They were a year old and Brandy wasn't just Brandy wasn't two. She was young. Yeah, she yeah, she wasn't two. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't remember exactly the age, but she was she was not old. And maybe the pups no, I'm telling you wrong. The pups were six months old. Brandy was a year and a half.
3: So her first heat cycle.
2: <laughs> yes, her first heat. Yeah, and I had two two dogs. I got I, so I ended up buying three three for one. That was a great great idea. Um, <clears throat> so that fall, that or that that fall, I tried to bear hunt the one dot pup out of her, and then the other pup he done pretty good coon hunting, and I don't know why I sold him, but I did. So. I started pretty much entering the competition. In fact, the very first competition hunt I went to was a plot sectional in Marlington, West Virginia, Pocahontas County. So I went up there to the plot sectional, um, and I hadn't had Brandy two weeks. I mean, two weeks. Went up there, and I absolutely got schooled. Um, I had no clue. (laughs) I didn't know the rules. Well, I thought I did. You know, back then, you know, they had the, the rules on the back of the school card, and they were pretty simple. I got schooled and that that schooling took place for about the next six or eight months. Like I did not win a hunt, did not win a cast. Um, I was traveling, you know to all the local cubs and hunting pretty much all weekend. Um, and I'm you know I'm sure you was with me on a lot you of those them, yeah. <clears throat> um, And then Mop Thorne <laughs> and Gene Lambert. Randy Jack, they talked me into going to Plot Days. And, guys, I didn't even know what Plot Days was. I had no clue. Like, it didn't mean anything to me. Plot Days. We're going to Plot Days. I was like, alright. <laughs> they explained to me, said they go up there for the week, and they hang out, and this and that. And I said, well, it sounds like a good time. Let's go. So I con Chad into going. So we um, we actually go. Mop, Mop talks us into going early. And guys, if you guys don't know Thorn, you don't know what you're missing. I'm telling you, Like, he'll make you laugh till your sides (laughs) hurt, I'm telling you, um, and give you the shirt off your back. But So they talked me into doing that. So they said they were going to go up a couple days early and um, get the dogs adjusted and whatever. And I had no clue. Like, I'd never been to a big hunt like this. Like, I'd only hunted the local hunts. So Chad and I, I don't even know how we got off work. I may have quit my job. I don't even know. I don't
3: even know that I was working. (coughs) I might have been in school. Anyways.
2: Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, we go to Pomeroy, Ohio, and we get up there, and, of course, we're staying in the, the, the local hotel, and I, again, I don't even know how it, I don't know where everybody stayed because there was only one hotel. Right. Um, so, we get up there, and we meet some of the local guys, and there's this young kid, and I cannot remember his name, I'm sorry, but he's like, hey, y'all want to hunt tonight? And we're like, yeah, we'll go. <clears throat> so... We went up and hunted, um, hunted down a river bottom with cornfields, and you know everybody used to talk about, man, you go up there and you tree coons and this and that. And I, I mean, we struggled, right, to tre- tree some coons. Um, in fact, by the time Thursday night rolled around, which was the all plot hunt, <coughs> we, uh, I was kind of like, yeah, I mean, I don't know if we're gonna catch a coon or not. Like, You're in the house, yeah, like. <laughs> So the all plot hunt, again, so this is an experience for me because I don't know. I don't know these people uh, at this point in time. Um, I'm a young kid in my early 20s with my first actual coon dog that has never won a cast, that has only got schooled throughout the last year. And I don't even know what the, the, the... I don't even know what the the significance of this hunt is. Like, I don't, I don't. I don't have a clue. So we we draw out the first night, and I can't tell you everybody's in the cast, but I know that Gary Cox was hunting old Jack. Um, and we that was the all plot hunt. And I ended up winning my cast that night. I think, I think Jack moved. I can't remember. I think Jack moved on a tree and went back to it and got him minused and that's the reason I won. That night. And then Friday night, um, I drew uh, Lonnie Brandenburger Hunting Stinger. And guys, I will tell you, I have never to this day heard a plot dog as loud as that scoundrel was. He literally sounded like a train horn going off. Um, he, the biggest mouth on a plot that I've ever heard. Um, so I drew. I knew I had. I knew I had him, and at the sting, I'm pretty sure Stinger is what he called him. Uh, I don't remember who else was in the cast, <clears throat> but I ended up winning the cast that night, and I remember nothing about it. Um, I, I don't. <laughs> so, you know, we're up there having a good time. You know, we meet a lot of good people. Like, I mean, it was uh, people
3: from all over the country. Yeah, man. it was good
2: people. Yeah, it was. It was an experience for me that, you know. Like I said, it's been twenty-five years ago, and I still have fond memories of the guys and people that I've met, you know, through throughout the years. So the last on Saturday, we are, um, we're getting ready to. It's in the evening. We're not. We've we've put our names in, but we haven't drawn out yet. So I was sitting outside the club or the clubhouse, which was a a big garage-type thing in the fairgrounds. And I was sitting on a picnic table, and this guy comes over to me, and he's like, hey, you got that little female named Brandy? I said, yeah. And he said, you win this whole hunt. And I'm like, what? <laughs> he was like, you done one, you, one, you cast two nights in a row. He said, you win night. He said, you're in. So it, it, anyway, it was Denny Long, Denny and Scott Long, and they ended up have, they had the dog named Outlaw, which I ended up breeding Brandy to, <clears throat> and had my first litter of puppies who um, two of those pups ended up placing in the world hunt, not the top 10 or 15, but they were the top plot dogs in the world hunt. And I know that that's not significant, but at the time, for what it was for me. But uh, so Denny's telling me that, hey, all you got to do is win your cash, man. And, and like it dropped on me like a ton of bricks that – Okay, what what does this mean? And he was telling me about the Isaiah Kidd award and how like this is the most prestigious hunt for a plot plot person and you know, on down the line, well, it makes me sick. Like I start getting so nervous that like I could literally throw up. And so anyway, we draw out that night and I draw Wayne Steele hunting star. He was hunting star five. And I there was another guy in the cast named Rick and he was hunting a big walker dog. And we go to Rick's places, and we pull up into this farm farm area, and we pull up on top of this ridge, and we we shoot the dogs down down our logging road down the top of this ridge. So we get out of the truck, and, you know, we cut the dogs loose. And the dogs literally opened their mouth, and I said, strike Brandy, tree Brandy. And Wayne Steele turns around and looks at me, and he goes, son... I don't think I've ever heard somebody tree a dog so fast. <laughs> I had no clue. Denny Long had me so worked up that it was a um, utterance. It was a spontaneous utterance, and you know, if in your law, in, you know, in law enforcement, they don't go nowhere. But I shouted that out, and then everybody else starts treeing their dogs. And I'm like, okay, so we run. We literally, not run, but we go down this logging road. They're in the middle of the logging road. There is a coon hanging from a grapevine, literally hanging. And the dogs were jumping up trying to grab it. As soon as we get our hands on the dogs, the coon bails and is gone. And I don't remember what happened after that, but I ended up winning that cast that night. And... We come back and I end up winning winning the hunt. Had the high scoring female of the hunt. the high scoring dog. Got the Isaiah Kidd award. And, you know, really reality has not set in on me yet because I'm still like green as grass. I've never won a cast and I just won three in a row. Like, right. you know, the Lord is looking down <laughs> on me. Like he's being good to me. Um, so I never won a cast. I win the hunt and on the way home, like me and Chad's talking. And it dawns on me, like, Brandy saved my butt. Like, I was so nervous that the first thing out of my mouth was strike and tree my dog. And I would have never done that in a million years, ever. And if that, if we would have been further away from that coon, if we'd had to walk, you know, 15, 20 minutes, we would, we'd have never seen that coon.
3: Right.
2: <clears throat> so that was my first experience winning a cast. That is my first experience winning a hunt. And I mean, I, I still have the trophies. I still have the pitchers. Um, that's, that's where the next morning, you know, Chad and I were loading up the truck. Um, A big old trophy.
3: Where are we gonna put this thing? We, I don't
2: know. I know it was like, we're, yeah, there was three of them, and right. like we had to think. We look, we look like the clampets going down seventy seven back through West Virginia in, the, in the Virginia. Yes. There was hardware hanging out of that truck everywhere. But anyway, that come out of the motel room that morning. We're loading the truck up, and that's where I run into Steve Fielder, and that's where I met Steve. And Chad actually took the picture. Um, with me, Steve, and Homan, um, because Steve had uh, Wrangler, and he was the opposite-sex winner. And, of course, that started our relationship 25 years ago. Um, So it it has just built off of that. Um, The experience has never been duplicated. I went back to plot days many, many years after that and never, I mean, just never had the luck, never you know, play. I mean, I, I may have won a couple times. I know the next the next year, and I, I don't know if you went with me or not. The I next, don't think
3: so. I don't think I went back.
2: <clears throat> the next year I got um, the high-scoring dog of the year and handler of the year um, because, I, I mean, I continued to push her and hunt her. Um, and she was a super, super nice little dog. I
3: was going to say, she was a bang-up coon dog, that's for sure.
2: Yeah. She was Even good. though she was a plot, she Michaelis. Was a <laughs> she, she'd grab you a coon, but her specialty was a layup. That's what won most of my cast. Is she'd go in there and just fall treed, and other dogs. I mean, uh, uh, over fifty percent of the time, the other dogs wouldn't even make a peep. And you go in there, and she'd have a coon laying on the limb. And, um, but anyway. So what? What's your recollection of that? What do you remember about that great, great, great experience? <laughs>
3: The trophy thing, putting them in the truck—that <laughs> that, that was—I'll never forget that. No, that was like, where are we gonna put this thing? What it's did five we do foot tall?
2: Thing? <laughs> it's did we bungee them well, in the back? What yeah, did we do? But we were
3: scared to death; they were gonna get broke. Yeah. So, yeah, because I had it, to- and Mop was there, and <clears throat> Mop and Gene were there, mm-hmm. and here's here's Heath and his little coon dog, and won the whole freaking thing. It was just crazy.
2: The journey on Houndsman XP has teamed up with one TDC. This dual action support for oral health and mobility in our dogs. This unique supplement is so effective that it is recommended by top veterinarian experts worldwide to maintain and improve our dog's health in four different areas: their oral health, hips, joints and muscles, skin, coat, energy, and recovery. Guys, I've been using this product for the last six months, and it has been a game changer for me. If you're looking for something to help with the overall health of your dog, go to worksowell.com and give this product a try. It is highly recommended by Houndsman XP here on The Journey.
1: Hey folks, I hope you're enjoying The Journey on the Houndsman XP Podcast Network with Heath Hyatt. He's always putting together a lot of good information for us. This is Chris Powell with the Houndsman XP Podcast, and I want to give you some good information right now. I want to talk to you about Onyx. Onyx Maps. I integrate Onyx with my Garmin system. I travel all over the United States, hunt everywhere, and if I was to buy a mapping card for every place I hunt, it would be very costly. You can go to onyxmaps.com, and get a subscription for their Elite Package for $99, and you will have maps anywhere you, in the United States that you are hunting. Super easy. All you got to do is look at your Garmin, see where you're at. The OnX app on your, on your phone will also show you where you're at. You can do all your orientation right there side by side. Go to onxmaps.com. And at checkout, enter the promo code HXP20, and you will get 20% off of your subscription. It's that easy, folks. Check out Onyx at OnyxMaps.com. You can find their link on our website at HoundsmanXP.com. Know where you stand with Onyx. It it really
2: um, it set some relationships back for a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I will say. Yeah. Yeah,
3: was, uh, that's yeah. You think you you think these guys are your buddies?
2: Wait till you start winning. <laughs> nah, yeah, but it, it's all good now. But yeah, it uh, it hurt some feelings, and I mean, I was just lucky. Like the Brandy saved my uh, that last cast. I'm telling you, she saved my butt. Like they just went in there and fell tree, and I I mean I don't even know that I heard her come tree. I just I just blarted out. <laughs> but you weren't on that cast I, with me. Was not no. <clears throat> but you went on the other two. Yep. So. Yeah, I mean that was a good time. Did did we go to any more? It was more? hot. God, I, mean, I do remember. Yeah. It was hot, hot. It was always hot. Plot days were always in the middle of July. July. You know, and you know, so Southern all the kids Ohio. could come. It's yeah. Still,
3: it was miserable.
2: Oh, Yeah, it's a wonder we didn't get it up with snakes. Mm. I don't, I don't remember. <clears throat> I
3: don't remember ticks being an issue
2: though. No, but the deer population wasn't as like it is now. True statement. I mean, it it wasn't that way. True statement, but yeah, no, that was a good time. It, it, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, like I said, those trophies still stand. They're in my, they're in my man, my, they're in my man cave with a couple of pictures. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, that, uh, and I did the same thing. I went up to um, me and Earl McKinney, Scotty Woods, went up to um, Blue Tick Days up in Asheville, Ohio. And I don't know. I was supposed to meet Marlo Arp up there for Steve for some maybe. They had bred Roper to, uh, to, they had that show, the world show dog, Annie Oakley, I think it was the name. And I don't know what, I had to exchange dogs or something there. But anyway, so I went up with them. Same thing, I, was, I took Belle, which is my little blue female, um, my Cameron female, and was planned on hunting her. And I don't know why I took Brandy with me, but I did. I think Earl maybe talked me into it. But anyway, Belle come in heat. So I ended up having to hunt the Grand Knight Champion cast, which I didn't want to do, and ended up winning my cast both nights up there. And me and Scotty had the same problem. We had I had a bunch of big trophies trying to hang on that truck. Um, yeah, yeah, we did the same thing, or maybe I put them in. I know I brought, I had them in mine, but yeah, that's that was oh, another good dog too, Bell. Bell. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've talked about her on here several times. I mean, I just an all-around good hound, handled like a kid better than your kids yep. could trail, could run. You know, they, she didn't have a top-end speed that I like now, but she's caught plenty of game. But if she come across a track, she's gonna take it. Yep. I mean, yep, yep.
3: The, so you mentioned top-end speed. Talk to me about that. What do you like? What why you say top-end speed, putting the heat on it?
2: I, yeah, I like a dog that runs to catch. I know that's kind of a, a um, blanket statement, but I want them to catch game quick. Right. And I feel like the the quicker you catch it, the – well, I don't know that I'm explaining it. I like a dog that can put pressure on an on a animal fast. Um, I don't want to have to run the bear six, six, eight hours. Right. Um, so I want something And, you know the my blue my camera dogs they caught just as many bear as my walker dogs. They just did it an hour and a half later. If that makes sense. Right. You it know, does. Bell Bell and Clyde caught plenty of bear by themselves. Um, but where Ring was catching them, Ring Sam Smokey was catching them in an hour, hour and a half. They'd run them three hours. Right. Um, so, and I really didn't realize the difference in that. And Bale and Clyde both ran with their heads up. They didn't, they didn't drag their noses, um, like some dogs do. Uh, they just didn't have that, that catch speed, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, but yeah, I would, I'd give anything to have two more disliker. Like, man, just a pleasure, a pleasure to hunt, a pleasure to be around, pleasure to house, uh, easy going, Yeah, I mean that's I miss that dog. So
3: you hunt with a bunch of other a bunch of other guys. Do you see the emphasis put on foot speed? And do other hunters put the emphasis on the foot speed? My guys, or just in general, just mm. across the board, do you see that emphasis or?
2: Yeah, I think I think the guys that I hunt with they see the importance of it. Right. Now, do all of our dogs operate that direct in that? No, they don't um you know i've got i've got dogs that's faster than others um right but um yeah i, I mean I, I know that that that's important to them you know you you want a couple of dogs that can get up there and right and, put and run, on. yeah and put it on them so yeah i think i i think it is important for the group that i hunt with now does everybody see the same no um and i, I mean packs are packs you've got You've got weaknesses in every one, oh, yeah. and you're trying to fill holes. Right. Um, you know, some of our better trail dogs don't run with their head up, but they trail a lot better right. than our running dogs. Right. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, what's, what? T- tell me something about some of your fondest memories. What are some of the things that you remember the most? And, and I mean, I know it's been 20 years ago. Oh, but my gosh. Probably the <laughs> looking back on
3: things, the Porter and F 250. Oh, from yeah, West Virginia mm-hmm. full of hounds, yeah, and just dumping them. I mean, what a disaster that was at times, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, we spend the rest of the day catching dogs and bear. There, we didn't have bear like Mm-mm. there is now. And, you know, you've, you got a little bit of snow on in December and it was, you know, all over the place trying to find a bear track. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, I remember running, running people down to come bring their hounds and put on a bear track. And Yeah. That, were you with me? I think you might have been with me the time that Jimmy Hurst from over in Dublin,
2: Dublin
3: mm-hmm. um, was up in. We found a track up of the spider's and yeah. ran him down. And yeah. I don't know. The yeah, way.
2: because the two dogs that I had right wouldn't run a warm biscuit unless the dog was doing it with them. You right. know, and I talked about that before. Like, yeah, I, I had two dogs, but one of them ended up getting run over. But yeah, I mean, it was a me too dog. Whatever your dog did, he did, but he wouldn't do it by himself. Yeah, times it, times yeah. were tough
3: then. It was a yeah. lot, lot different than it is now. And I, I haven't been on it bear hunt around here in a while but
2: i see plenty of bear yeah i mean again it's a learning a learning experience and i'm a lot more knowledgeable now but i mean back when i had frost and you hunted with Frosty. oh yeah i mean frosty catch bear i hunted a whole december a whole december and never had a bear race you know i don't think people understand um now how hard things were and how much effort and time it took just to catch a bear yeah. much less catch two or three a day sometimes like we do or right. you know yeah I had a good week I you know I called a bear every day this week you know those it was not that no it
3: was tough <coughs> it was it was tough tough and I, you know I, I know with the bird dogs it takes birds to make a bird dog and I assume it takes bear to make a bear dog yeah and you know your odds now are substantially better than they were back in the day there's no doubt
2: yeah i i mean like i said I, and I, I i i don't remember what podcast this was on but you know catching my first bear by myself was a feat um and it was not easy and it took it took a couple years now i could go with somebody else and right. and be successful but that's not what i wanted for me i wanted to be able to take me and my four dogs and guys, for a long time, that's what I hunted. I hunted, you know, I had Frosty, I had Frosty, Sam, Smokey, and Bell. And then, of course, Clyde was a year, two years younger than Bell. Then he come along. Um, but I, I mostly mainly had about four dogs that I hunted, and I wanted to be able to do it by myself. And Didn't
3: you have a brother to Frosty?
2: No. Mm-mm. No, there was only four pups in that litter. It was A.R., Lance had AR, and then Billy Patton had the the brother, and the, the male and the female, the brother and okay. the sister to him.
3: Maybe it was, you bred that dog, maybe it was, you bred him fair amount. Fra- yeah, you? mm-hmm,
2: yeah. And again, inexperience, I let, I bred him to Brandy, my, my yeah. good plot female, and had a litter of pups and had two nice pups out of her. Them two, that was big old, big ball mouse, and I, I had one that I called Hoss, and I was out of town working, and he got loose at the house, and got down in the road, and got hit, and dislocated his hip. Well, Dad just took him back up and put him in the pen, and didn't take him to the vet. Well, the time I got home, you know, that week, that well, by the weekend, the vet said that I can set it, but it's not gonna, right. it's not gonna make it. So not gonna make it any bear. So we kept him. I tried, and that just didn't work out. Um, but yeah, bear were hard to come by, and I mean, you know, you catch. Five bear a year. Oh, you were doing something. You better pat yourself right, on the back. Right. <clears throat> and I hope everybody, you know, one of the things that I, if I could really get people to understand is how important conservation is that it is, I know I know the game department and the hunters have two different opinions. You know, the DWR wants to to start decreasing the population because of the complaints. And I absolutely get that. But at the same time, you know, the hunters, especially on National Forest, those complaints aren't coming from National Forest. And, you know, we get back to a time where you're catching four or five bear a year. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a problem. So
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and <clears throat> I'll tie into that too. The national Forest, I think the National Forest is in a bad spot as far as habitat management right now. I don't think they're doing enough. people can form their own opinions but clear cutting is ugly initially but it's great habitat it's fantastic habitat for everything for Mm -hmm. many years to come and I don't think there's enough clear cutting on the national forest and I understand why it's a political mess but but yeah yeah I mean, you can just you can look at deer. Uh, you know, you ride through national forest. How many deer do you see? Big, pretty woods. Big, pretty woods. There's mm-hmm. no no deer. Don't to mount anything there.
2: But, it's yeah. It's tough. They're not yeah. It's different than being on the farmlands. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, conservation is um, it's important to me and our you know in our group. And even though we have, fupa sometimes. Sure. You know, it's not. It's not. Um, not something that we want. You know, we, we wanna preserve what we have because, like I said, times are good right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, times are good. And when I can take my dogs out five days a week and catch three or four bear, I'm happy. Absolutely. I mean yeah. you can't you can't do any you know, yes you can do better now. You can catch two bear a day, five days a week. Yeah, we I get it. But I'm saying, you know, for the average person, that's a good week.
3: Yeah, definitely. So it's I mean that's night and day difference <clears> than twenty years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So,
2: did you did you hunt with me when I was hunting? Any other other plot dogs, or was it just Brandy and then?
3: I was thinking that I hunted with. Didn't you have you had a male? Did you have a male that you got from the guys up in West Virginia,
2: up in uh, Pocahontas County? Eugene Walker and him. Didn't you have a male bought from them? Mm, no. No. I, everything I hunt, hunted come off Brandy. I bred Brandy to Outlaw and kept a dog named Heidi. And greed got the better of me on that. I sold her, and I should never sold her. Probably one of the best young dogs I've owned uh, in the coon dog side. And then I bred her to Roper, and I had a dog yes. named Candy.
3: I remember the Candy dog, too. Yeah,
2: super, super nice little female. Yeah. And same thing. Um, I here's a, here's a mistake that I made, guys. And not knowing what I know now, um, so I kept the dogs up above my dad's barn lot. Um, and dad had house the barn barn cats. He had two cats, two great two gray bobtail cats. And um, when the puppies were loose, they'd run down there and, and they'd run up a, the ladder at the loft. And put, the cats would sit up there, and the dogs would go up there and tree on them. <clears throat> and Candy. Being one of those dogs, the very first thing that she ever treed at night by herself was a bobcat. And she was 10 months old, which is phenomenal among itself. <clears throat> and I could never get her off bobcats. And I got to the point where I was using the e-collar more than I should have because I thought I knew what she was doing, and I didn't. And one night she took off across the field full moon, and um, i lit her up and anyway they ended, they ended up brandy ended up taking a coon across that field and treating it on the other side and i had i had shocked candy Shit. off of it yeah. uh, because she opened first and that was being inexperienced. i didn't know and i was letting them tree the barn cats which now would not be a problem i would fix that in about two seconds um and i ended up selling her down in Georgia. And she made a super nice little female. So you know, the mistakes that I've made by inexperience and not knowing what what to do or how to do it. And I've let some good dogs go, man. Like I've I really let some good dogs slip because I got aggravated with them or um, not knowing what to do to fix the problem. And you just apply e, you you apply pressure, and that really doesn't fix the issue most of the time if you don't understand the behavior that they're giving you. So, no, but yeah. yeah,
3: yeah, absolutely. I've wrecked some dogs with the collar. Mm-hmm. I mean, straight up, I've wrecked them yep. and lessons learned, and you, you learn from your mistakes and you don't make the same mistake again. And but yeah, I, I understand.
2: Yeah, so I, I I mean, that was me. Um, and I, you know, I, you learn back then, I really didn't have anybody teaching me that part of it. Uh, I was learning. You know, Pappy come in the scene, and, you know, I have to give him credit. The reason I won plot days is because he took me under his wing and told me how to call my dog and told me what, you know, okay, when this is happening, this is what she's doing. Expect this next, you know. Um, Give me really good guidance, and I was able to win two casts, and then Brandy saved me on the third cast because it was nothing but sheer luck. So, but I didn't have anybody really teaching me that type of stuff, um, and it was trial and error, which was a lot of error. You know, don't do that again. Okay, we'll try this. Uh-uh, don't do that again. We call it on the job OJT here, on job training at work. You know, you keep doing something over and over and over. You just do it different each time until something works. And I did a lot of that. Um, sometimes I was a lot too hard handed on dogs, um, <clears throat> and I learned real quick that I could only have one type of dog that could take that instead of taking the the little bit softer dog and molding that dog into what I wanted to by making him confident and I'm um, doing it. So, you know, it's a, it's a whole learning process for me. You know, like I said, we circle around for, for, for this podcast for a year, but if you circle back to the beginning for me, um, and I, am still learning today. Like I, like I embrace it. I'm like a sponge. Like I want to know all the information that you know, because, it may help me later on. You know, dogs are not cookie cutters. No. You know, you just can't stamp out. Right. You know, e- even you're talking about your breeding. You know, you can't, even though we breed two dogs and we, we expect these behaviors, the chances are you're going to get some type of mix in there. It is not what you expected, or you're going to find something that's come 10 generations back. Where did this come from? Right. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so dogs are not cookie cutters. Each dog's individually different. <clears throat> I, that's one of the things that I've picked up from my canine, my law enforcement side that I've learned that I have got to have a really big tool belt to work all the dogs that I see um, because each dog has got a quirk or a habit or a style that you've got to understand how to get the most out of him, <clears throat> what take, what it takes to get the most out of him. And right. that, I'm with you in Talk to you. Talk to a
3: bunch of people, and the problem that I'm having today is the same problem that you had last month, and it, it all it all ties together. Um, just talking to different people is, it There's a whole lot of similarities
2: in the dog world in general. It is dog training is dog training, and right. I've said that before. Um, if you understand behaviors drives, um, you can take a coon dog, you can take a bear dog, a cat dog. A squirrel dog, a bird dog. Right. I mean, we can take any kind of dog as long as we understand behaviors and drives and what or what makes that dog tick. Correct. And sometimes I don't think that people want to understand or want to learn that part of it because that does take a little time and effort. Um, but yeah. that's what makes that's what makes an average dog a super dog is knowing. Those things,
3: right? And how many people? I mean, how many perfect dogs have you ever seen?
2: None. Exactly. I thought and, I've owned them a couple times. Right. And, and then I, people,
3: I know people that think these things are, are robots <coughs> and they're push button push button robots, and they're animals and they're animals. They're they, gonna mess up. You know, they're gonna make mistakes, just as you and I do.
2: So they have a mind of their own. They do. You know, I'll, I'll give you a quick example. <clears throat> Maddie had a horse show last weekend. I mean, you're into horses. You and I rode horses together, yeah, too. We did. I mean, we used to go up and camp and... Yep, we did. Sleep on the air mattress in the top of your gooseneck. Yep. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um,
3: upgraded a little bit. I don't know <clears throat> he's got a real mattress and not an air mattress.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I want to sleep in that you though. <laughs> I'll take the cot. I do have an air conditioner. Yeah. Um, but prime example, um, last weekend Maddie had a horse show. Um, horse has been looking fantastic at the barn during her lessons. You know she's picking up picking up some things that he was weak on last year. Canter in the reverse <clears throat> in the reverse yeah. gate um, has been a problem. He was always breaking canter, so she had him like I mean clicking clicking clicking. So last week we go to the horse show. Um, the weather. And, I mean, everybody fools with animals know weather affects things. But the wind was blowing. It was overcast. Um, just some things that was just kind of quirky. Uh, the wind was blowing. There was a piece of tin on the announcer's booth. It was pop, 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 which shouldn't make a big difference, right? <clears throat> the, the horse looked like a fool. I mean, he, she did she did good on the, the reverse canner. That was probably her best reverse canner that she'd had. But all the other times um, she had a hard time getting him into the canner she had a hard time setting him up he was wanting to get in the rail she was trying to keep him off just stuff that normally is a saddle brand. Yeah. yeah okay yeah um, so she gets all she gets out of her ride you know we're putting the horse up and she looks at me and I can just see the defeat in her I, I mean I can yeah. see the tears almost coming and I'm like honey, it's okay it's an animal you know That's right. You know, it's, it's you're gonna have good days and bad days, and you've got to learn to accept the good, the bad days, and that makes the better days so much better. And dogs are the same way, you know. You we Murphy's law. You say they won't and they will, and no, you say absolutely. they will and they won't. I'll make a liar out of you right now. And one thing that I've learned with my canine guys <clears throat> is we ain't making excuses. You know the dog did this because he's a dog right you know yes I spend time with him I put in hours and hours and hours of training I expect my to, to dog to perform at this level but today he did not right and um I think it's in any any arena that has animals involved
3: oh absolutely <clears throat> absolutely
2: so but. well we're we'll gonna wrap this up but I'm gonna tell you guys a quick story I mean we just kind of we're just kind of freelancing this today but you know, I was going to do a real, um, a short video on this last week, and I didn't. Um, I kind of got called up, and it was kind of over before I did it. And I was like, ah, you know, but but I wanted to talk about this because I've had actually had two a text message and a phone call about um, environments and um, the el- how the elements affect trailing. So a couple weeks ago. I was in North Carolina and of course, you know, it's a little bit more, it's a little more, the temperature is a little hotter there and the humidity is definitely a little bit better. And I know that Jeff Shetler and I talked about humidity and we kind of both, um, agreed on some things and then, you know, I'm still, uns- I'm unsure. Like I can't, I can't put a, a good educated, um, opinion with it because I get so many veritables with humidity. So just putting that out there. Um, so we were in North Carolina. We had treated a bear early that morning and we decided that we were just going to take the pups. And when I say the pups, the year old dogs, BB mm-hmm. and I decided we're just going to take the pups and we're going to go check this other spot. Well, we know for a fact that the bear was there. Like at five, I think it was five forty, Um, and we were there, uh, right. But it was before eight o'clock. So it was, yeah, it was, it was about 15 to eight. So two hours, Two hours. So we take our young dogs out, and we walk down this this path where we know that it had been through there. And we get nothing. Nada. Dogs act like they just out for a stroll. Right. <clears throat> so I immediately get on my phone, and I pull up the weather conditions. So the humidity was 96%, and the weather was 73 degrees. So it was getting warm. The sun had not hit completely overhead yet, which, you know, we know the UV rays evaporate uh, the odor. Um, But 72, 73 degrees, humidity 96%. And our dogs acted like there was no track there. And why I tell you this is most people would have absolutely come unglued if they knew a bear was standing there two hours ago and their dogs couldn't take the track. Now, Am I happy about the situation? Nope. I want my dogs to be able to do that. And I expect my dogs to do that. But I also understand how weather and elements play into effect. So like I said, when I when I realized the dogs were not giving me behavioral changes and they were not going to take the track, I immediately got on my phone and I wanted to know what the weather conditions are. And I actually went back and wrote them in a little note in my truck. This and this and this. <clears throat> so... Anyway, a friend of mine had texted me. I don't know a couple of days ago, and basically, um, he was asking me pretty much the same question about humidity. What happened? And he told me that they had seen a bear within a two-hour two-hour time span crossing the driveway. They went back, put the dogs on it, and the dogs run around, act like fools. couldn't do, Couldn't do nothing with it. Um. And I know there's some people out there saying, you know, my dog better take that track. But if the dog can't smell it and can't figure that that footprint out, then they they there's nothing they can do about it. So let me ask you, what about a, a more experienced dog? Well, as much as I would like to have to have um, done that, um, I me and BB had a conversation like. We feel like they would have probably worked. They would have made a bigger the circle and hunted a little bit out, hunted a little bit further. Um, and the rest of the week, we were we were tapping on those hour to hour and a half old tracks, and the old dogs were struggling, huh. but they they got them up. Right. They got them up and got them moving. And we treat you know we treat bear, um, but it was not who rated rail. I'm out of here. Like it, it did not happen. So I just. You know, kind of food for thought um, about about stuff like that. Don't get discouraged. Don't get down. You know, try to be more understanding. Um, yes, we all want dogs that can take 20-hour-old 20, 20 tracks no matter what, what climate they're in and everything. Absolutely. Um, I, I want a dog that takes a track as it comes, and what I mean is if that track comes through at 12 o'clock last night, I want him to take it. If that track comes through at 6 o'clock this morning, I want him to take it. Um, but reality is, is that i know that i i don't (laughs) have that you know i don't right now i do not have that um did you hunt with ring much yes not not a lot but some Mm -hmm. and you know ring was one of my better better track dogs and he would take an old track and run it and people would pack dogs and they'd come back and a lot of people thought he's running junk and he come up he, he he'd come out with a bear on the other end but he was one of the dogs that that could do that, um, and I, I like I said Bell. Bell was another dog that could flat trail. Clyde has had the Clyde, which was the blue male, had better yeah. nose than any dog I've ever owned. Um, he he could get down and and grub an old track up, and he caught a lot of bear in their bed because he could trail so well. Um, but anyway, I just kind of threw that out there. That you know that was some of the elements I wanted to do something and put it out there for everybody to see so they could see it, um, but that that happened, and it is, and like I said, I've had a couple people since I've been back ask me the same thing, um, and I actually done a man track, uh, what's today, um, so s- Saturday. Saturday, we had a guy, um, felony warrants, took off running out of his house, and anyway, I put Pino, we ended up setting up a really good perimeter, got him cornered in, had him coming up a creek, and I don't I don't know what the temperature was Saturday. It was warm. I mean, warm, and I was drenched. But uh, we caught him coming up the creek. I, I went down over the bank. Uh, me and one of the Blacksburg guys went down over the creek to try to cut him off. He did have a knife, so I couldn't turn my dog loose. And we ended up tracking him for about 500 yards, and we were pushing him so hard we pushed him right into the perimeter unit, and they were able to take him down. But why I tell you that story is the humidity, and the humidity. I know it was above 80%. 80% I just don't know where it was at because I didn't have my canine program on at the time because it happened so fast. But I, on the way back to my car, my dog was literally falling over. Like Pino yeah. was getting weak in the rear end and he was sitting down and he was falling. So I got him down in the creek, let him cool off. I did not let him drink a bunch of water. I give him a little bit, but I didn't let him gorge himself. I let him sit in the creek for a few minutes, cool, cool his feet and stuff off. Put him in the car. I started home with him. He started falling over, and I'm like, "Crap!" You know, like I, I've caused wow. this dog to have a heat stroke. And got him home, and got some Gatorade, got some electrolytes in him. I did not feed him until three three right. hours, three or hour, four hours later. But just to tell you that humidity works on a dog. Um,
3: Definitely just like it does you and I. I mean, it's Yeah.
2: I mean, you and I are able right. to sweat, dog can't, do pants and but yeah, so humidity works on a dog in multiple ways and it messes with your track more than you think. Um but anyway, just to kind of throw some things out there. What, what what do you think about the weather for the bird stuff cuz I don't know much about like you're doing more air sending. I'm doing more air sending and not tracking mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we, we talked
3: about it earlier as far as the dog with his nose on the ground versus the yes. dog with his head mm-hmm. up. I am uh, the, the dog. The dog needs to be wide open and driving the Ferrari on the dirt road with his head up, not mm-hmm. tracking. So, but but yes, weather definitely plays. I mean, just the these dogs that I'm messing with, they are they're very very athletic. I ask them for an hour as hard as they can go, and that's fast and about 15 miles an hour, 14, 15 miles an hour mm-hmm. um, for an hour for an hour mm-hmm. and then put them up and they're done for the day. So the putting your nose on the ground doesn't it just doesn't work. Yeah so,
2: yeah for for you guys. And is that to get to the bird faster and get it's, on the
3: point? It's or? yeah, I mean it's it's speed and you're looking for the you're looking for an extreme athlete that that is fast, is fancy and points birds. And mm-hmm. the more ground they cover, the the better those chances are. Now I'm gonna tell you they going that fast and hard, they sometimes will run over a bird.
2: But mm-hmm. When you say yeah. run over, does that mean flushing yeah, or just missing? Flushing.
3: flushing. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that comes with time and age. Yeah. Figure that out. So,
2: yeah. yeah, and I think you know just what you're saying. Going back, you know, you're saying with age. You know, if we'd have put the older dogs down, maybe we should have. Maybe next time I will, just to see if there's that. It's an age, you know, inexperience difference. Right. Or, that would be my question. Yeah, and we we ended up going and helping Doug. Uh, Doug had called and he needed some help, so we we literally just grabbed him up and went on. We didn't spend no time, but you know, next time I think just just for to for knowledge, just to do it, yeah, um,
3: it'd be cool to see.
2: <clears throat> yeah, I mean, BB's sevens. Midnight Dog, man she she worked two tracks out, um, two hard tracks out. Took her took her while to do both of them, but she worked them things out and and got them jumped. Um, right. So yeah, I, that's. <clears throat> yeah, I, 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 we do that next time, you know, just to just to see. Yep, just out of curiosity. Yeah. Well, Chad, I really appreciate you coming coming back over and. Thanks for having me. Well, not that I don't see you all the time, but <laughs> sitting down and talking about some some good times like. I forgot about you tying to deer up. Like yeah, that cracks me up. Just thinking about that the other day
3: when I was mowing, I started laughing.
2: Yeah, boy, we rodeo, <laughs> and you got a bunch of country guys coming after you. you ain't, that's what I told that guy when he ran the other day. He he popped up underneath the guardrail and they stuck a shotgun in his face and he was like, "Boy, y'all are good." And I looked we looked they they looked at him and said, "Yeah, when you run for a bunch of country boys, you ain't getting away." <laughs> <laughs> Play,
3: play stupid games win stupid prizes
2: <clears throat> yeah that's for sure he had a pair of four-wheel drive crocs on too man mm-hmm. you all see the territory he went through them crocs are a lot better than i give him credit for <laughs> <laughs> chad i appreciate it like i said um you were my first record a year ago so we, we're back at that time and you know i just want to thank everybody for listening um, taking the time to tune in and and join us on our journey because, you know, this is still a journey for me. I'm still learning. It's still a process. You know, every day is different. Every dog's different. And I'm trying to gain as much knowledge as I can. And, you know, one thing about me, if you haven't figured it out, is I like to share what I know because, you know, me keeping all that knowledge to myself is not helping anybody else. And not that I have it, but I've been blessed with so many people around me that have got, 10 times more knowledge than me. Um, You know, you look back over the year, the people that we've interviewed, um, you know, we'll start with, you know, Bart Rogers with Auburn University and, you know, Dr. Nathan Hall with Texas Tech and Cameron Ford with Ford K-9 and Jeff Shetler with Georgia K-9 and um, Jerry Bradshaw. And, you know, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, you know, these guys are premier trainers in their field. Like they are sought after from people all over the country and internationally. And just because I've been lucky enough to um, make a relationship with them um, makes me stronger because of their knowledge, not because of my knowledge, because of what I'm learning from them and learning to take in from them. And, you know, these guys have been so good to me. I mean, I can text them or drop an email or a phone call to them and ask them questions. And, they, they mentor me whether they know it or not, and I want to share all that information with you guys. So for the people that's been a part of this podcast and listen to it, you know, I can't thank you enough for um, being with us and listening to us and continuing to follow us. So this podcast is just a shout out for all of you guys for listening. So thank you for helping me
1: teach, train, and learn.